Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and I love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer. I continued my studies in beer in grad school at NYU, and since then I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager. I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week I will have a different guest from different facets of the beer world, brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, to help us all explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Uh, so my guest today, uh, Chris Bannock, he was the Mid-Atlantic Market Manager for Avery Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. This is a brewery uh, founded in 1993. Some of you may recognize them for White Rascal, the Belgian-style white ale, Lilikoi Capolo, which is a white ale with passion fruit. Some of you serious uh, beer nerds will know them for Rumpkin, which is their rum barrel age pumpkin ale that caps out at about 15 to 18%. Uh, in 2017, uh, a group, uh, San Miguel out of Spain, uh, acquired 30% of the stake in Avery. So the, just for your general information, the Brewers Association requires that if a brewery is designated as craft, it can only have less than 25% owned by a macro brewery. Uh, this company also acquired 30% uh, stake in Founders Brewing Company in Grand Rapids. So just some fun little tidbits. So the original idea to have Chris on, um, I met him during a, an Aslan. I met you at the Aslan, uh, at the Beer Garden by the, by, the, by, yep. the, by Nat Stadium. And we had the guys from Aslan on a couple weeks ago. And I had talked to Chris a little bit about how, you know, I like to kind of get a full view of the beer industry. So for those of you who uh, listen uh, to the show every single week, which I greatly appreciate. Uh, we had a show with uh, beer distributors. We've talked to people from different parts of the uh, tier system in our fine <laughs> liquor distribution uh, system here in the U.S. And so, Chris, what is a market manager for being a market manager for a specific brewery? So I covered uh, three states in the district for Avery um, for a little over three years. Uh, I, so my job is a little bit more of um, than feet on the street, which is people that you know are in and out of accounts every single day. I did a lot of account work as well, but I also did a lot of distribution management. Um, my background, actually, I did work for uh, different distributors. Uh, I worked for um, two different AB wholesalers in Northern Virginia and also for Specialty Beverage in Virginia, which is um, an L Knife Sheen Group distributor. So I've also actually bought beer. I worked at a bottle shop in, in Alexandria as my first job. So I've actually worked on all three tiers of the system. So it, it gives you a good perspective when you're doing uh, a different work in different tiers of, cause you, you know what happened in the other tiers you, you worked in that system. Um, so I covered uh, eight different wholesalers in North Carolina, Virginia, DC, and Maryland. Um, so I did a lot of work with, you know, ordering and incentives and making sure that, um, 
different things were executed on the, on the distributor level. And then I also did sell, um, mostly in this area, in, in North Virginia, D.C., because this is where I live and that's where I, I know the accounts best. So. And what is the big difference, and this was something that I wanted to really get a grasp on, is what's the big difference between just representing one brewery versus being a distributor where you're selling a lot of different, you're representing a lot of different brands? Yeah, that was actually the, the biggest hesitation to move from distribution to um, to a supplier side is that, you know, I, when I worked for um, the wholesaler in Virginia, I had Firestone Walker, Ballast Point, and then the other distributor I had, Devil's Backbone, Star Hill, Sweetwater. So I had a breadth of um, different breweries that I represented so I could sell all kinds of different things in all kinds of different accounts every single day. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's definitely a change. It's, it's, luckily enough, I picked a brewery and this was one of, you know, one of the big sticking points that I had when I wanted to move from uh, wholesaler to, to uh, supplier was to make sure that I had a brewery that had a big portfolio, a, a wide array of different kind of beers. And as you talked about in the intro, you know the Avery Core beers are amazing. It's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a everything from a pilsner all the way to barrel aged imperial stouts that that clock in at nineteen percent. It's it's a one of the best barrel aging programs in the country. Sour beers, uh, sacro barrel aged beers. Um, you know that was a hard change, but when you work for a brewery like Avery, it makes it a little bit easier. There aren't very many breweries in the country that do that are nationally uh, distributed that have a great core lineup plus sour beers and sacro barrel aged beers. I mean, there's only a handful of other breweries like Firestone Walker, um, Allagash, those kind of breweries. So it's you know it, it's awesome to be able to you know or was I guess awesome to be able to uh, sell those beers on a daily basis. But yeah, it, it is definitely a change of you know <clears throat> work you know selling. 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 breweries to just selling one. It's the same thing, a little bit, you know, it gets a little bit repetitive, but if you have a, a good enough brewery that you're working for, it, 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 it's not as repetitive as you think. And for our <laughs> listeners that uh, are just new to beer, can you explain sacro barrel aging? Sorry, yeah, really so... Quick? You know, it's okay. No, the, I, I love it when we, it when we get these terms. It, it, it's just a term that we use for um, things that are not sour barrel aged. So, you know, imperial stouts, porters, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, just sacro beers. Awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Uh, so... And for those of you just tuning in, uh, I am sitting down with Chris Bennett. He was formerly the Mid-Atlantic Market Manager at Avery Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. So, the elephant in the room, you're no longer with Avery. So, we had kind of talked about this show, um, and I wanted to, you know, really dive into, you know, what it's like to, you know, this question that I just, that you just covered beautifully. Um, but the elephant in the room is that you are no longer with them. I am not. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. What happened? Beer industry is tough right now. I mean, okay. there's just, there's just no getting around that, um, growth, especially in mid-sized breweries, which, which Avery is in that, you know, 30 to 500 range in terms of, of barrelage. It, it, it's the growth is sometimes not there. I mean, we're, we've seen, you know, even previous this year before the, the, and I can get in a little bit more what happened with Avery, but you know, you had the green flash situation where they pulled out of 30 States and, and tried to do West coast in Virginia. And that fell apart in, in two months where they had to auction off the brewery. It happened to Smutty Nose. They had to auction off their brewery. I, I, it, it's not the last couple of breweries that are going to have that kind of problem, unfortunately. And you know, the growth that Avery was having was not to plan and where it needed to be. Um, you know, back in 2015, Avery opened up a, a, a new $35 million facility. It's still in Boulder, but as a standalone facility, beautiful mm-hmm. building, two-level restaurant, catwalk above the brewery. And, you know, that was built and designed in 2010, 2011, when the growth was there for the industry. And, you know, unfortunately, even though that we were, we, Avery was the, uh, the third largest growing brewery in the top 
uh, 50 uh, of craft breweries back two years ago, the growth just isn't where it needed to be in order to sustain that kind of facility. And unfortunately, you know, I, I think that Adam and, and the exec board did everything they could in order to save as many jobs as they could. But there was, you know, there were some layoffs in production earlier mm-hmm. this year. And, I, you know, unfortunately, um, when you're looking at the sales, the sustainability of having a sales rep or market manager in the market um, you know, unfortunately, people like me are expensive. You have their salary plus their, you know, their car stipend plus their uh, budget that they, you know, that we would spend every month. Uh, health, you know, health insurance and down the line, unfortunately, we are very expensive. And when you start balancing out what I am getting paid plus my benefits and 401k matching and, and insurance and all that kind of stuff versus the amount of extra business that I bring to the brewery. It, it, at a certain point, if you if if your brewery is not as sustainable as it needs to be, you know it's it's a my my salary and benefits versus my actual um, amount of money that I bring into the brewery, and you know there's a certain threshold that you know if you hit that number of um, uh, that amount of business that you are then viable. Unfortunately, there are a lot of breweries that have a lot of reps mm-hmm. that unfortunately are not viable, and th- there are breweries that you know sales reps can be loss leaders. Unfortunately, where you Yes, you want representation in the market. Yes, you want um, you know people repping your brand. But unfortunately, you're not bringing enough business to make your salary worth it. Um, and that's kind of where we were at. They sat down and, and looked at each region of the country and mm-hmm. and and tried to figure out who was make, who is bringing in enough business to justify having them out there. Um, and unfortunately, there were seven uh, reps and one um, operations person at the brewery that just it it. It wasn't viable. The, the, the Northeast just wasn't viable for Avery. Mm-hmm. And there, plenty of beer gets sold. Avery beer gets sold in the Northeast. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, it wasn't enough to, you know, to sustain having this many um, market managers and reps on the street. I gotcha. Yeah. So it's unfortunate because I, I, I love Adam. I love the brewery. There was only a handful of breweries that I would have left distribution to go work for. And Avery was one of them. And it was, it was great. I learned a ton. Colorado's beautiful. Boulder's beautiful. And I got to go out there and experience some amazing things. I got to go to EBF. I got to go to Hunapu Day. I got to go to, you know, GABF is, you know, mm-hmm. one of the home team people and be at the booth that had a line that was, you know, halfway across the convention center. It was awesome. And so, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, that, we weren't growing it at the rate that could sustain uh, an employee like me, unfortunately. Yeah. And are you, you had mentioned that you had seen this, you see this kind of happening with some of these other breweries. What are some other breweries that, you know, it kind of stands out where, where you can kind of see it happening? I, I, there, there's a couple of breweries that I see how their business, at least it, it's hard because you, you can kind of tell, but you, you, in the end of the day, you don't really know how well a brewery is doing. I got it all the time where I'd say, yeah, Avery is made, you know, 60,000 barrels this year. And the response that generally I got was, that's all. It, it's, it's, you know, the big breweries like Founders that's doing 450,000 barrels and Bells is doing 450,000 barrels. Like mm-hmm. relative to those breweries, Avery was small. There's some breweries in, in the size range of Avery that I think, Unfortunately, if you're doing, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 barrels, um, you know, and it's spread out amongst, you know, 30, 40, maybe even more states, that's when you start having some, you're going to have to start having some issues, especially if you have people out there selling the beer every day, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're spreading, you know, the, the amount of cases that you're doing per state is a lot lower when you're, <laughs> you're only doing that much barrelage and you're in that many states. And, and, you know, there are a couple of breweries that, you know, you, you, they're in the same realm of size as Avery and they're yeah. in the same, about the same amount of states and you just you look at them and you're just like 
you know, uh, the biggest example I give is Left Hand. They're, they're, they make amazing beer. Mm-hmm. They had a problem with the recall a couple of years ago with the milk stout, with the, you know, they got, had an infected yeast strain that they used and, you know, they're in 40, 45 states. And so, I mean, that's kind of a brewery that I look at. I'm, I don't know how viable they are in, in that kind of, uh, you know, distribution state. But, you know, they have a lot of, you know, especially for people in this area, they have a lot of grocery representation. They So mm-hmm. in the state of Virginia, you see Milk Stout in every Harris Teeter Giant Safeway, which that will help sustain business. Now, yeah. whether that sustains having somebody physically on the street in northern Virginia, D.C., this region, I don't know. The the former rep who I, I knew pretty well moved to Colorado and is, is, is a rep out there now. And I don't think he got replaced. And I don't know if he will get replaced. It's just maybe one of those things where left hand does what it does out here without anybody being here. And if they lose some business, again, if they lose 10% of their business, that 10% of the business was not a big enough chunk of business to justify paying somebody for a full salary and benefits and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Beer Me on Full Service Radio. Welcome back to Beer Me. We are recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. with Full Service Radio. I am sitting down with Chris Bannock. He's the former Mid-Atlantic Market Manager for Avery Brewing Company. We were just talking about how Avery had to make the tough decision to let go uh, some of these market managers. And actually, my question for you is this. I've noticed that a lot of different distribution companies are really up in their game as far as who their reps are. Um, I remember years and years and years ago when I was you know, buying beer at a restaurant and these reps would just show up whenever they want and when you ask them for specific samples, they would just bring in the most ridiculous combination of things and nothing with, you know, nothing that you actually wanted. Um, you know, they'd always kind of try to one-up you on knowledge or or be weird. Maybe it's just the experience that I had. Um, But it's just, it it was a a bad, it was typically a bad experience. However, uh, more recently, I've noticed that when I interact with reps, these are incredibly knowledgeable people. Um, More and more, you're seeing a lot of distribution uh, places require that their reps get Cicerone certification. Um, I have noticed that in the past couple of years, reps are incredibly timely. They make appointments. Um, it's like somebody gave them a crash course in hospitality and how they treat you. So I have found that, you know, reps and the distribution companies have really been upping their game. So because of that, um, have you found it more difficult for people who represent a specific brand in that, you know, you're getting you know, breweries are kind of getting what they need from reps now? In some instances, yes. And okay. I think, you know, the, the experience you had might not be typical, but it, it there are a lot of great reps that work for distribution companies now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just a, uh, I, I think it's just a product of there being people that have come into the industry and kind of work their way up to get into distribution. I think distribution companies have realized that they need to hire people that have the experience, especially if they've ever bought beer, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just, a fresh face off the street. And I think distribution companies also realize that if, you know, you as a, as a beer buyer get mad at a certain company, Cap Eagle, Premium, Hop Wine, Legends, mm-hmm. whoever, you, whoever you want, they don't need to work with you anymore. 
every distribution company has such a, a, a wide profile of beer. Even even you know the the macro guys, so the Miller Coors houses and the AB houses have over the last five, six, seven, eight years have acquired a you know because there's more brands, more distribution, and they've acquired some of those where you don't need to. You can't walk into an account anymore, and you have Bell's Too Hearted. Well, oh my God, I have to have Bell's Too Hearted, right? Bell's is great. I love Too Hearted. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. beers. But you could go to another distributor and you know find an equally good beer and cut another wholesaler completely out of the equation i think they have started to realize that if you don't stay on top of your game like that you will end up losing business and so as for the reps part i actually think it's a little bit more of the opposite there are so many reps now Mm -hmm. Um, back when i was buying beer back in 2011 you know i would see a beer rep once a month once every six weeks there just weren't beer reps uh dogfish had a rep Trogues had a rep, Dominion Fordham had a rep, and mm-hmm. Goose Island had a rep. That was basically it. You didn't, and nowadays, you walk in, I would walk into an account, and you'd be in a queue of three, four, five people waiting to talk to a buyer. Yeah. And, and there's, just, there's just so many more breweries distributing in this area. There's so many more breweries that have reps in this area. And it's, it's, it, it's a real hustle. And you know, with, in terms of the distributor reps, some of them are, I really do appreciate that. And some of them are like, well, now that I have all these reps, they should be out there helping to sell in their beer. I don't necessarily have to do that because they're constantly in and out of these accounts as well. So I think there's a little bit of a factor of they get, do get spoiled a little bit in terms of having the help of, of, of reps walking in and accounts all the time. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I, but on the same note, I think there are a lot of great reps that end up doing amazing work because they have to, because they don't want to lose business. There's just it just it's too easy to cut out wholesalers nowadays so if you don't have the good the best people you will get cut out yeah so moving forward for you what do you want to do (laughs) (laughs) that's a question i've wrestled with for a couple weeks um you know being on the supplier side was great it's it's you know it's a little bit wonky setting your own schedule and seeing as many accounts as you want to see technically and you know you start work when you want you end work when you want you're Mm -hmm. you're unless you're checking boxes in terms of of your, you know, your goals for your MBOs or your PFP programming, you know, you, it's it's a lot it's a lot freeing. Although I worked probably about double the amount of time per week that I did when I was with the, the wholesaler. Oh, okay. uh, it, you know, I you know what, working for a wholesaler was great. I mean, but you didn't really sell on Fridays. You kind of made you know fix mistakes, running kegs, doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was working six day weeks every single week. I was doing samplings on Friday nights, Saturday afternoons, and all that kind of stuff. I did it because I loved it. I loved the company. I loved that I was making money for Adam and the people back in Boulder and representing the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I could do that again, but it would have to be for a brewery that I believe that hard in. I don't think I could. There, there. It was hard enough to get out of bed some days, even when I was selling Avery. Let alone if I was selling a brand I didn't believe in. Yeah. So you know, I, I would definitely do that. Although there have been some people that I've talked to that had interesting offers in terms of new newer breweries that are looking for somebody that has experience that can help with their distribution management and mm-hmm. and and handling the wholesalers in a much smaller area but handling their entire network oh, which is wow. yeah which is a, a, an interesting concept for me um you know I, I would potentially go back wholesaler side but i don't know if i'd want to run a route i'd probably want to do uh, uh brand management and, and handle a portfolio of brands within within a wholesaler and you know work work with reps that things that i used to do work on orders and, and programming and all that kind of stuff as opposed to being in and out of 110 accounts in a week oh uh, so yeah i mean i i don't know yet i took the last couple of weeks just to kind of relax and no i i ground myself pretty <laughs> pretty pretty raw over the last couple of years just trying to grind out and, and sell as much beer as possible but i definitely you know have some things that are 
potential things. And I, I think something will definitely work out. Excellent. Now you mentioned that, you know, it would take a really special brewery to be one that you would be willing to be a brand manager for in a dream fantasy world. If you could have any job at all representing any brewery, who would it be? Uh, it would just be Three Floyds. They're my favorite brewery. And I told Adam Avery that in an interview. He's, he asked me what my Desert Island beer is, and I said, uh, Zombie Dust. And he's like, not one of my beers? I said, no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the, so that's the beer that I would, that I would drink on, my, on a Desert Island. And for uh, the listeners that don't know, you want to tell them a little yeah, bit about? Th- th- yeah, Three Floyds is a brewery out of Munster, Indiana. It's literally a stone's throw over the Il- Illinois-Indiana border. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been brewing for 20-ish years now. They make awesome esoteric beers, and but they don't get a lot of distribution. They're only in northern Illinois, Indiana, northwest Ohio, and northern Kentucky, I believe, is their footprint right now. Yeah, it's a hard beer to get it, a hold it's, of. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, they, they make a lot of beer, but it gets eaten up all in their in their home market. But I, that was if they ever like open up distribution here in the middle, like, I, I would murder people for that job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You will have to let us know, you know, where you end up, what you're going to be doing. Is there, uh, I know we got DC Beer Week coming up. Is there anything that you look forward to for that for that week? Anything you're excited about? I haven't really looked at the lineup. I kind of detached myself for the last couple of weeks, uh, not That's really fair. doing a lot of beer stuff. Um, you know, DC Beer Week is great. I, I've always enjoyed events over the years. I think it gets a little bit underplayed because of Saver Week every year. People mm-hmm. kind of definitely do the bigger, better events during that week. Uh, but the nice thing about DC Beer Week is that it's a lot more local focus and you have some of the more local breweries doing some awesome things and doing these cool events. So it would definitely be something for, for some of the local breweries to have them kind of showcase some of their beers. That it would, if I had to pick something without looking at the list, it'd be definitely something, you know, something like an Aslan pop-up or Ocelot or, or Crooked Run or some of the DC breweries doing something cool. Yeah. Now, as you've kind of detached a little bit from the beer world in these past couple of weeks um, to kind of decompress and, you know, get your mind straight and stuff like that, uh, have you, even, even with the detachment, have you gone to any really cool breweries? Have you tried anything new and exciting? Any? I mean, I've definitely gone to some breweries. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing new in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I, I go to Ocelot at least once a month probably more than once a month. Uh, I, I love Ocelot. Been to Crooked Run a couple times in that time. Um, drank some new Aslan stuff that's been really good, although I did have a, a pecan IPA that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit weird. I tried that the other day because I was just fascinated by the concept, and that was, that was a little bit out there. Um, you know, I, I hadn't been there in years, but I went down to Port City for the first time in probably oh, like nice. two years. I, I was down hanging out at, at, at Fairwinds down in Lorton, Virginia, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was coming back north. And I was like, well, I haven't been to Port City in forever. Um, so I ran down there and had some beer, and they do amazing things down there. They really do. It's, and it, they're, they're kind of one of the forgotten, not talked about breweries, although they make more beer than all the other hype breweries probably combined. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to stop down there and, and, and realize that when I first walked in there, it was this super tiny place, and they had a, a whiteboard in the corner, and written on the whiteboard was everywhere you could find their beer. And now there is absolutely no way you could put that on the whole side of a wall. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, nothing that really stands out per se, but drinking some of the more at some of the more local breweries that I really enjoy. That's what I'm doing the last couple of weeks. Nice. Well, yes. It, for the listeners in the area, do yourself a favor. Go check out Fairwinds. Go to Ocelot. Go to Port City. I feel like Port City is one of those beers that you see it. You see it everywhere now, and you're just like, oh, okay. And then when you can't have it. 
you're like, oh man, I miss this beer so much. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting because that's definitely one of the problems of that. People are like, well, I see that everywhere. I mm-hmm. see Sierra Nevada Pale everywhere. I see Lagunese IPA. I see these beers everywhere. So I'm looking for the newest thing. And and it, it, that definitely hurts the, the, the core sales. And that's definitely one of the, you know, obviously you don't have enough time to get into it. But that's definitely one of the problems that the industry is, is having now is that core beer is just, it's not getting picked off the shelves like it used to. The turn off the shelves is not where it was. People are has you know have the new release every week and they can do that whether it be a commonwealth drop up here or mm-hmm. you know an aslan can release or an ocelot can release or people on the richmond go to the veil for their can releases and that's where people are, are putting their money as opposed to going and buying a six-pack of white rascal going yeah. and buying a six-pack of you know stuff like that and there are some there's some beers and breweries that are doing just fine you know like founders are growing at leaps and bounds with 15 packs and people are still turning you know there's hey still, i'll drink all day ipa yeah. Yeah, all day. Yeah, absolutely. Give me but, a pack of that. But there are some breweries and that just they don't get to pull off the shelves because they are looking for the new thing. But it's not like that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just where the industry is shifting is more towards that. I'm going to go out to Loudoun County and buy a four pack from here and a four pack from there, and that's where I'm going to spend my you know twelve, fourteen, sixteen dollars on a on a, on a beer for the week. So. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming in. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Let us know where you land, um, and hopefully we'll get to have you on the show again, all right? That would be awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been Beer Me Radio on Full Service Radio, recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Thank you very much.